I want you to open your Bible this morning to the first book of 1 John, all the way back in the back of your Bible. In other words, uh, if you get to maps, you've gone too far. It's before Revelation, book of 1 John, and I want you to find the fifth chapter. Two, two, two uh, thoughts came to me as that song was being sung about God is enough. You, well, let me tell you what you find in your life. I want you to hear me carefully. You never know that God is all you need till God is all you've got. When you're at the end of your rope, you're out of answers, you have no solution, counsel seems to have no direction or comfort. And you say, well, Lord, I'll be honest with you. I have nowhere else to turn. Nowhere else. Really, Lord, I'm at the end of the rope. Listen, you don't know God is all you need. You're at that point where he realizes that unless God intervenes, God is all you got. Here's another word. I I don't know who this is for, but I, I, I know it's a word for someone. I want you to be encouraged by this. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And though he fall, or she falls, the Lord will lift them up. We, I'd like to say that none of us ever stumble, and none of us ever fall. But that's not true. But that promise, that God orchestrates our steps, does it surprise God when we stumble and fall? No. But he always is there to lift us up. So remember, God is not out to hurt you. He's out to help you. And when you fall, he's not going to push you down. What he's going to do, he's going to help you come up. Now, I ought to encourage you today. Last week, I said that we needed to pray and ask for discernment about the demonstrations Occupy Wall Street. Well, that's exactly what I did this week. And come to find out, and I was not promoting it. I was just simply saying we need discernment. Basically, at the bottom of it is a Marxist and socialist philosophy. It is anti-capitalism, and those behind it do not believe in the American way of life as we've known all our years. A lot of people are involved in it who don't really know what it's all about. But I want to tell you, it is not a good thing, Occupy Wall Street. Its agenda is not good. And basically, it's socialist and Marxist in its philosophy. So we need to pray about it because it's growing in this country. It's growing around the world. But it's basically... an ungodly thing. And there may be people in it who are deceived. I don't know. They are. But still, we need to realize that it's not a good thing and we need to pray against it. You got your Bible open to 1 John chapter 5. Without question, these are days of great deception. These are days where people, multitudes upon multitudes, are hearing and believing a lie. Now, the Bible tells us so clearly that in the last days, deception will be rampant. And deception is where a person believes a lie. They may, know it, they may not know it's a lie. They may know it's a lie but choose to embrace it. But I'm telling you, as I begin to think about that, 
I just started going through some of the passages in the New Testament about deception. I want you to listen. I'm gonna, you don't need to. You can look these up later. But I'm going to give you about five verses about how in the day in which you and I are living, we must have discernment because deception is prominent and prevalent in the spiritual world. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, just listen to what it says. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That is strong words. Departing from the faith as it's presented in this word, giving heed to spirits that seduce them and to doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hard iron. Well, you turn on over, and it's still in Timothy. To 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 13. Now listen to this verse about deception in the last days. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He said it's going to get worse. Evil men and imposters will grow worse. They're going to be de- deceiving and being <clears throat> deceived. Chapter 4 of Second Timothy, verse 3 and 4. Listen to this. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned away to fables. He said, the time's going to come. He said, I don't want to know the truth. Give me a teacher that will tell me what I want to hear. And that's what I want. And they're going to turn away from the truth and to fables. Over in the book of Second Peter, it just keeps warning us about the fact that there's they're, they're just going to be a deception in the last days. This is Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were false prophets even among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways because of that, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now, I just read a few verses that said deceiving and being deceived. Now, what led me to think about this was as I was just reading the word of God this week, I got into the book of first John. And as I read the book of first John, let let me tell you what I saw. It was amazing. I believe it is the greatest book in the Bible to guard against deception. I really believe it is. First John guards. It just guards against deception. Do you realize in that little book of five chapters, the word no, K-N-O-W, is used 27 times. 27 times John said, now, we know. And he said, we know. And he said, we know. And say what it was saying is, now you got to understand, now this is the truth. This is what we know. And anything else is a lie and deception. So I want to challenge you in the next three weeks just to read and reread the book of 1 John and see how the word no is used and how it warns us against deception.
I'm going to bring four messages out of the book of 1 John on the area of deception. First of all, what we know to be true about Jesus. Number two, what we know to be true about salvation. And the greatest error and deception today is who is Jesus and why did he come and what does he do? Then the other greatest error today and deception is how is a person saved? How can they know they're saved? What is the evidence that they're saved and that they're not deceived? And then the third area will be how we can know that we love God and love people and how we can know that God hears and answers prayer and how we, gonna, how we can know what's going to happen in the last days. The Bible, you know, this First John tells us about what, when Jesus comes back, exactly what it's going to be. So there will be four messages on how we can know the things that are important and will know deception and can avoid it ourselves and can warn people about not being deceived. Now, the first one is about what is the truth? What do we know about Jesus Christ? It is under tremendous attack today. First John chapter 5, verse 19. I want you to look at what he says. Now, just see how many times he uses the word know in these little verses right here. In First John chapter 5, verse uh, 19. Now, listen to what he says. We know. Well, what do we know? He's talking about believers. That we're of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And then he says it. And we know. Well, what do we know? We know that the Son of God has come. Okay. We know that. We know the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Jesus has come and given us an understanding. Get this. That we might know him that is true. We know that Jesus came, he's given us an understanding, and we know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, in his son Jesus Christ, and this is the true God and eternal life. Look what he said, let me tell you what we know, we know, we're not deceived, we've not believed a lie, we've not chased an error, this is what we know. Now, in this book of 1 John, it gives us some tremendous truths about what we know about Jesus Christ. All right, turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Now, I'm, I'm encouraging you this week, the next three weeks, just to read this book. It's only five chapters and reread it and ask God to speak to you and show you truth and show you the spirit of error. Because I promise you, you'll find yourself encountering this deception and error everywhere you go. All right, here's the first one. We know the truth about Jesus. Here's the two things we know from this book. We know who he is, and we know why he came. That's so significant. First John says, now, we know who Jesus is. There's lies about it. There's error. But we know who he is. And secondly, we know why he came. There are lies about it. There's deception. But we know why he came. All right, chapter 2, verse 18. Listen to what he says. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. The Antichrist is coming. Even now, 
many antichrists have come by which we know. He said, man, you wondering if it's the last days? You want to know if it's the last day? He said, one of the biggest signs is that the antichrist and antichrist, plural, have come. Now, look at verse 21. He's, you're going to start seeing this word no. He said, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. John says, now, I'm writing to you believers, not that you don't know the truth. You do. He said, I have written to you, not because you do not know the truth, because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And boy, then he says it. He exposes the lie. He says, who is the liar? Who is the deceiver? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Strong words. He said, if a person denies that Jesus is the Christ, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. I've heard people say, well, I don't believe what the Bible says. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus. But I believe in God. I believe in God. Well, John says that can't be. Notice what he says here. Who is the liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and, uh, uh, who, uh, who denies the Father and the Son. He said if you deny Jesus is the Christ, you not only deny him, but you die, deny the Father. Verse 23. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Either he who acknowledges the Son and he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now look down at verse 26. He's just talked about Antichrist. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. And then he says it in verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Folks, the bottom line is the question, who is Jesus Christ? And I want you to know that it is under tremendous assault today. And the Antichrist spirit is absolutely prevalent in this world. And it takes on many, many different forms. For example, let's go back and see what the Bible declares in the Gospel of John about Jesus and then what he declares in the book of Hebrews about Jesus. And then we'll show you how the Antichrist spirit is operating and people are believing it. John 1.1 says, stay with me now. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God in the beginning. And the Word was God. There are three things it says about the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Now, listen, and the Word was God. And it talks on in that first chapter that in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Always things were created through Him and by Him. But then it goes down in verse 14 now. The Word that was with God and the Word that was, with, the word that was in the beginning with God the word, the word that was God, it says in John 1, 14, stay with me now, and the word that was in the beginning, the word that was with God, the word that was God, and the word became flesh and lived among us. The word who is God came flesh and lived among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and 
truth. So, John declares the Word that is God became flesh and lived among us. In Hebrews chapter 1 it says, talking about Jesus, Your throne, O God, is forever, and a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So the truth about Jesus Christ is this. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God manifested in the flesh. All right. Now, knowing that, there are those who would say, no, no, he's a good teacher. He was the greatest teacher. They'd say, no, he was a prophet. Oh, he was the greatest prophet. They say, no, he was an example. Oh, he was the greatest example. But all of that is fine and good. But the bottom line is, does that person believe that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh? That is the issue. Anybody that denies that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh is antichrist. They're an antichrist. And the spirit of antichrist is operating through them. And so John wrote, he said, now let me tell you who Jesus is. Now, there are, there are, quote, religions today that will say Jesus is a God, but they will not say that he is deity, the same deity, the same substance as the Father and the Holy They'll deny that. So they're antichrist. You say, but they're sincere. It does not matter. They're antichrist. If they deny that Jesus Christ is 100% God, the same deity as the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me go on and say this, too. See, not only is Jesus God manifest in the flesh, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah, which means he was the one sent by God to save the world from their sins. Okay, now we get into another area that this would be very offensive to many people, but the truth sometimes and oftentimes is offensive, and that is this. Since he is God manifest in the flesh... Since he is the Messiah, since he is the Christ, then he is the only way that anybody can ever be saved. Now that is where, even in religious circles in America, there's rampant, rampant deception and an antichrist spirit. They don't mind you saying, well, we believe Jesus is the Savior. But when you say to them, no, he is the only Savior, and you begin to quote these verses, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but through me. Oh, they say, wait a minute. No, no. You don't understand. There are many different roads that lead to heaven. And the only matter is sincerity. I would remind you that the Bible warns about that. It says they will say that there, there, there is to many a way that seems to be right. But the, there's a way that seems to be right, but the end thereof is the way of death. See, people saying, but no, you, you're narrow, you're narrow-minded, you're intolerant. No, listen to me. When we say that the only way a person can be saved is through Jesus Christ, we're not narrow-minded, we're not intolerant, we're Christians who believe the word of the living God. And... Baptist churches are filled with people who are universalists. They will not tell you that. But you pin them down. 
And you ask them the question, well, do you believe that a sincere so-and-so, and I'm not going to pick on any particular person, but you'll say, well, you, do you believe that this person who is a good person, as, who is sincere, but they're not a Christian, that they're, they're maybe of another religion or another belief, you say, well, do you, uh, do you believe they're going to go to hell? They say, no, I don't believe they're going to go to hell. Listen, they're sincere. They're good people. They're nice people. I mean, God wouldn't do that. Now listen to me. You need to understand. We have one authority for what we believe. Are you listening? The authority is the Bible, the word of the living God. That is our authority. Then when you get out of, outside the Bible, then it's like the book of Judges where every man believes what's right in his own eyes and every man does what is right in his own eyes. And so if we're going to be true to the Scripture... And if the living word, Jesus, and the written word is our authority, then God says, okay, now this is the way it is. Now, Acts chapter 4, I believe it's verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Listen to this. There's no way you can get around this. Neither is there salvation in any other. <laughs> now, I didn't write that, but th- listen to what it says. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name. Under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. He said, there's no other name. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. Now, the deception is, throughout this country, the deception is the Antichrist spirit that denies the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and says that he's not the only way to be saved. That is a lie, and that is deception. And anybody that believes that, has embraced the Antichrist spirit. And that's just what the Word of God says. And that's why John wrote and said, listen, the Antichrist spirit has come. He that denies the Son is Antichrist. He denies the Father as well. And so we've got to understand who Jesus is and that he is the only way for men and women to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God manifest in the flesh. But now 1 John not only tells us who he is. But now I love this. And see, this book was just, he was, I think he was written to warn us against deception. He said, let me tell you who he is. The Antichrist spirit is coming. But let me tell you why he came. And he does a magnificent job, a magnificent job in telling us why he came. Look at 1 John 3, verse 5. And all this is in the book of 1 John. That's why I want to encourage you to read it, ask God to teach you and study it. And you will be in a position where you will not be deceived. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. Okay, somebody says, well, why did Jesus come? You believe he's God manifest in the flesh? You believe he's the only way for men and women to be saved? Only through Christ? Well, well, why did he come? What was the whole purpose that he came for? All right, verse 5. And we know, there's that word know again. Well, what do we know? I mean, what do we know? And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. You know what he just said? He's the sinless Savior. 
He's the spotless lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he came, he was manifested to take away our sins. Not to be a good example, not to be a prophet, not to be a miracle worker. That's all well and good. But Jesus came, that was not his primary mission. All of those things were evidence that he's God. He came to take away our sins. That's why he came. Well, then, so you go to church, and they preach, and they never talk about sin. They never talk about the fact that we need to repent and get rid of our sins. Then they've missed the gospel. They've missed it. Well, God wants to encourage you. Well, you can be encouraged and go to hell, and God wants to comfort you. But that's not it. No, you need to understand what it's all about. Jesus was manifested to take away our sin. Well, look at the next verse right down below it. John says, I just want you to know. He says uh, in uh, verse 8, he who sins is of the devil. That's pretty plain. For the devil sinned for the beginning. Barton, are you ready? For this purpose, all right, we know why it was manifested to take away sin. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Okay, John, I, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be in error. I want to know the truth. Why? Well, for what purpose was the Son of God manifested? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whew. But, oh, Brother Fred, he came to be a good teacher. He was. But that wouldn't save me. <laughs> he came to show his deity by working miracles. That, that's good. But that wouldn't save me. But I'll tell you what I needed. I need for somebody to come and destroy the works of the devil. And that's why he came. To destroy. What's the works of the devil? Sin. Death. Separation. Steal. Kill and destroy. Do you know the works of the devil? He steals. He kills. He destroys. I'm telling you, but Jesus came to destroy. To destroy. The works of the devil. He came to be the Savior of men. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. You want to know, we know who Jesus is. He tells us. Now we know that he's God manifest in the flesh. If you deny that, you're antichrist. He says, we know he was manifested to take away our sins. And we know he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And then he says in verse 16, and th th this is, man, this is a beautiful picture of the cross. By this we know love. How do we know what love is? Is love just simply an emotion? Is love just simply a physical attraction? What is love anyway? He said, I'm going to tell you how you know what love is. You really want to know what love is? I mean, I'm talking about love between a husband and wife. Oh, yes, there's physical love. There's emotional love. There's, there's the husband and wifely love. Oh, yeah. But you really don't know what love is? Look at it. Verse 16. By this we know love. We sure need to need it in this world, Lord, because they're they so confused. We got Hollywood love. We got all this mess. Well, what is love, Lord? I'd like to know. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. You know what love is? Jesus on the cross laid down his life for us. Now look at the rest of the verse. Now this talks about how we relate to people. 
He says, by this we know love. Well, I want to know what it is. Because Jesus laid down his life for us. Are you ready? We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Can I ask you something? As a husband, are you laying down your wife, life for your wife? Are you living for yourself or are you laying down your life for her? That's called love. I want to ask you as a wife, are you laying down your life for your husband? I mean, that, that's love. Where we, we're not living for ourselves. It's not all about us and you make me happy. No. This is the way we know love. Jesus Christ came. And you know why? He laid down his life for us. Now, if it had stopped there, it would have been one thing. He said, but you know what? We ought to lay down our lives for each other. You know, the, the Bible is so clear as to why, as to who Jesus is and to why he came. Now, folks, you'd be amazed at the Antichrist spirit that is not only present in this nation, not only present in religious circles. It is unbelievable. Un- but I'm telling you, and of course we know it's involved in all the other world religions that deny the deity of Christ. But you'd be amazed at, at the confusion on why Jesus came. You know why? Because if you don't know you're a sinner, you won't know you need a Savior. <laughs> and, and so they don't preach about Jesus being the Savior because they never preach against sin, which separates people from God and absolutely destroys people's lives. But he was manifested to take away our sins. He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to show us what love really is. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. Now look at chapter 5. Go on over to chapter 5, and it tells you why he came. First John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ, all right, no, I mean, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, you're not Antichrist. You believe he's God manifested in the flesh. You believe he came and manifested to take away our sins, destroy the works of the devil, and lay down his life for us. Listen to this. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's where spiritual birth comes when you believe the truth about Jesus Christ. All right, look at verse 10. He says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. In other words, if you believe in the Son of God, that he is God manifest in the flesh, if you understand and believe why he came, he said, if you believe in the Son of God, you have the witness in yourself. He who does not believe God, that God you sent your Son. Now, listen to this. He who does not believe God, God you sent your Son Jesus into the world. He came to take away our sins. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to lay down his life for us so that we could be saved. He says, now... Who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Are you ready? Who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he does not believe the testimony that God gave his Son. You know, then it goes on over, and I love verse 20. This is what we believe about Jesus. Why he came. The Son of God has come. He's given us an understanding. Praise God. And we know him who is true. We know Jesus. We know him. We know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and life eternal. You know, 
that there's just deception everywhere about who Jesus is. Listen to what people say. Listen. You'll be amazed. Listen to what you hear on television. Just listen. And then you check it out in light of 1 John. And also just listen if they ever mention about why he came. Why he came. You know, the, the centerpiece of history, the centerpiece of history is this. I want you to listen, and I'm winding this up. You go back to creation when God made us in his image and after his likeness. Then out of creation came the fall. When, we, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, and since that time, every one of us have been sinners except Jesus. But then you move on in history. You go past creation and the fall, and then you go over to the New Testament. I want you to listen to this. And when the fullness of time was come, God's perfect timing. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law to redeem us. From the curse of the law. Listen. So we move from creation to the fall till when Jesus Christ came. And he came for the specific mission of dying on the cross. So he could take away our sins. Dying on the cross. So he could destroy the works of the devil. He came and said, I'm going to lay down my life for you because I love you. But man, that's not the end of the story. Yes, creation and the fall, but then the crucifixion of the Son of God when he became sin for us, he who knew no sin, the crucifixion of Christ when he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Yes, hallelujah for creation. God have mercy on us for the fall. Praise God for the crucifixion. But I got good news. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And the Bible says he's declared to be the son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. And I say to the Antichrist or anyone who denies who he is or what he did, I say to you, but he's alive. He's alive and he will reign forever and ever. And one day he'll come back and every knee is going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And praise God, I don't want to be deceived. We don't want people to be deceived. And so we've got people we know and love, but they're out there and they've listened to the philosophies of humanism and secularism. We must take them back to the Word of God and say, but this is what God's Word says. They say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Then what do you believe? What the latest person says or the latest fad that comes? I will say this to you. This book has stood the test of time. It has stood the test of time. You read it and you understand there's no other book like it. You can read the Koran. You can read the teachings of Buddha. It's just a bunch of garbage is all it is. That's all it is. You read it. It makes no sense. Anything that makes sense is what they got out of the Old Testament. I am telling you, you can live by this book and you can die by this book but that's the only book I know that you can deception 27 times in the book of first John he said we know (laughs) and we know and he said we know now next week I'm going to take the we knows about salvation and I'm going to tell you as I've studied it how a person can know they're saved. A lot of folks are in trouble. They're in trouble. Because according to the book of 1 John, 
when you're saved, there's a different lifestyle. I, I mean, it, it's very, very sobering. And you know why it's so important? As I talk about what we know about salvation, and most of this book is about it, what we know about salvation. This is why it's so important. Narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. But broad is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. And then this is the last verse. It is sobering. Many shall say to me in that day, he didn't say a few. Now, are you listening to me? All I'm quoting is the Bible. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? They spoke the word of God. In your name, cast out devils. That's sobering, isn't it? And in your name did, did many wonderful works. But you know, they never changed. Because listen to what Jesus said. And he will say to them, depart from me. Listen to this. You who worked iniquity, you lived a lifestyle of sin. You never changed. He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Many shall say to me in that day, and he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. All you ever did was live a lifestyle of sin. Depart from me because I never did know you. You mean to tell me, Brother Fred, they got saved and then they were lost? No. He said, I never knew you. He said, I never knew you. Never. Never. And so, man, this book, I encourage you to read it, to meditate over it, to pray over it, and ask God to show you the truth about Jesus and to show you the truth about salvation. You need to see it so you can speak it and live it and check your own salvation out. And then to show you the truth about loving God and loving people and to show you the truth about how God hears and answers prayer and then to show you the truth of what the last days are going to be and what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. Four messages, three after today. On freedom from deception. Freedom from deception.